Today's program is brought to you by the Museum of Food and Drink, sparking curiosity about food with exhibits you can eat. For more information, visit mofad.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Food Without Borders. Welcome to Food Without Borders, a show about food, politics, and all the ways that immigrants make our food system more delicious. I'm your host, Sari Kamen. My guest today is Chef Gaurav Anand. He is the chef and owner of Bati Indian Grill in Murray Hill, Moti Mahal Deluxe on the Upper East Side, and Awad on the Upper West Side. We're going to be speaking with Chef Anand about his story, when he came to the United States from India, and how he managed to open three restaurants in five years. We're going to talk a little bit about the current political climate and how it feels to be an immigrant working in the food industry. And then we'll hear about Chef Garav's next project, his new restaurant, Roka, which is opening this spring in Chelsea. Welcome to the show, Chef. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Well, it's an honor to have you here. So, like I said, you somehow came to this country and opened three restaurants in five years. Yes, I did. That is a really impressive feat that I don't think most humans are capable of. I mean, I would say as, you know, when uh, we were kids, when we were in India, we used to hear America is land of opportunity and definitely America is. uh, You found that to be true. Yeah, so far. (laughs) Um, Well, tell us a little bit, like, let's back it up and tell us a little bit about where you're from. Um, in India, and then when you made the decision to come to the United States and what that experience was like? So I am from New Delhi, which is capital, so Delhi, which is capital of India. And I grew up there, and I was dating this girl who's my wife now, and she was here for her college. She went to George Mason, and now she works for investment bank Morgan Stanley. And so we were dating on and off, and she was in India. I said, why don't you know i mean it's it's time we know each other for a while so why don't you move back to india she's like i love india but you know you have you have to come to new york and then we'll take it from there so i came here for two weeks and i was like wow what a great country different people especially in new york like every second person is an immigrant and it's from different country different culture what a place to be in and then i decided i said okay you know what i'll move here for you and I'll start my own business. And uh, so I moved here in 2008 when Lehman, I moved actually when Lehman Brothers fall apart, you know, so that was my entry, like uh, literally uh, the start of recession. And and then I said to myself, I said, you know what, uh, it's the right opportunity. There'll be a lot of real estate will be available for restaurants, a lot of people going out of business, a lot of people coming into business so i started my <laughs> so you're like the world is collapsing yeah i'm in <laughs> i'm in and you weren't like oh my god this is a horrible time to open a restaurant no one has money to eat out <laughs> you know, there was something there's something in 
which I felt like something in the air, some vibe, like in New York. I was like, wow, this is, I just, I like, I've, I, I want to do this and I'm going to do this. And I opened my first restaurant, which is uh, Bhatti. And it did really well, uh, though it was a recession, you know, but still like people. I mean, I remember a lot of restaurants shutting down around that time, yes, not a opening. A lot of, a lot of like every day they were, you would have heard this restaurant is closing, especially yeah. the high end one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, because all the bankers were out of business and they couldn't yes. just keep using those expense accounts to eat Absolutely. anymore. And so that's that's what actually exactly that was happening that time. But I knew that uh, you know, it was uh, when Barack Obama like just got in and like what worst can be from here? It's not going down anymore. You're it's only like, going to go up. Yes, I can. And yes, I can. What is it? <laughs> No, bad joke. <laughs> so, uh, what is what is uh, what? How worse it can be, and uh, that's it. And I made up my mind. I said I'm going to open uh, at least one restaurant, and you know, and it did really well. So, when you moved here in 2008, when did Bati open up? 2010. I mean, that's really really impressive. So, do you think coming to the United States as someone who had never lived in this country before, someone from India, did you feel more motivated or and like more focused to kind of make this thing happen? Or were there just, did it feel overwhelming, you know, to, to navigate what it was like to open a restaurant in an entirely new country? Yeah, it was definitely, it was like, I was nervous, you know, and the restaurant requires a lot of effort. And only person I knew was my girlfriend, you know, nobody else. And it was not easy. But I was always motivated. First of all, it's it was always in my back of my head. Oh, it's America! It's America! You know, America is great. So no matter what, I'm going to give this shot. Why did you have that impression of America? Because uh, you know, if you heard like you know, if if you go back and do some research and you see all these big companies, like you talk about GM, you talk about Ford, you talk about any concept related to food, whether McDonald's or whatever, all the all all of these companies have origin is America, and that's was always back of my head. Like this is one country in the world which has the most like their their consumption. Like you can take whole world aside and just America consumption itself, what they consume is equivalent to world. So. That was always in my head, and especially when I moved to New York, I was like, wow, what a great place and immigrant-loving country, like, you know, like, from all over the world, you're seeing people from, I mean, in my restaurant, I have, like, United Nations, one is from Sri Lanka, one is from Mexico, one is from India, one is from Pakistan, one is from, so, like, if you see, so it was, it was, like, a great experience, and knowing these people, learning a little bit Spanish, poquito, comida, <laughs> you know, like, wow, it's a different, different world itself, like, it is, it has its own world. So that was that thing in my head that I love, I love the culture. In two weeks, I was in, like, madly in love with U.S. I was like, wow. Had you visited any other cities beyond New York? Uh, yes, uh, D.C., <laughs> Dallas. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, so I didn't, yeah, D.C., Dallas. Um, I love Dallas. and Which is very different from yeah, New York. It is. And San Francisco, of course, Silicon uh-huh. Valley. You, being an Indian, you have to make a trip there. So, you know, so, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, another thing. So I loved it. And I like, it's, it's a great place you want to be. And uh, I knew that uh, people would respond to my cuisine. It's Indian food has that time in 
2010-9, it was not that popular, but people were still getting used to it. And I said, you know what, we are going to open a restaurant, which is not just going to be a restaurant, it's going to be institution. We are going to teach people and understand this food better. And we were able to achieve that in Bharti. And then we opened Moti Mahal, which is one of the most popular restaurant in India. Like we have 110 locations all over India. So we opened that and we got two stars from P12's, New York Times. And being nobody, he picked my restaurant. He gave me that opportunity that, okay, you know, I'll give you guys a shot. He tried our food, gave us two stars. We were very popular. Then we opened the third one, which is Awadh on 98 and Broadway, which is also doing very well. So that's pretty much about these three restaurants. Like they all have different food and they all did really, really well. So what were you doing before you moved to the United States? What was your experience? Were you a chef? I, so I have uh, restaurants. I had restaurants back home in India. And I always uh, used to travel different parts of India and learn different, different food. The reason was in India, every 20 miles, flavor of the food change. So you're eating lentil, let's say, in Delhi, it's completely different. You go to Punjab, it's completely different. So I was always curious to learn I never went to school. I never went to culinary school, but I learned from different, different people. Let's say if somebody makes great lentils, so I went, say, I want to learn this dish if you don't mind. And I want, so that's how I learned from different, different people. And did you find that when you came to the United States that people um, weren't aware so much about the regionality of Indian cuisine? Because I feel like, you know, so many restaurants in the United States, when you eat Indian food, it's kind of presented as like, a monolithic cuisine it's like yeah you've got curries and you've got this and you've got this and like it's it's so often the same which is comforting like you can go to a menu and and recognize like i always order chana masala um can you talk a little bit about like the different specific ways you've approached the restaurants to um you know talk to sure to showcase the different regional cuisines so when i moved here i didn't i discovered chicken tikka masala myself there's oh, nothing really? called chicken tikka masala in india i discovered chicken vindalu which is nothing especially where i come from north india which is the most popular place for this cuisine and i'm like wow you know like this food i mean what is this food i'm not able to understand i was confused myself and then i decided took a bold step i said you know what we are going to do what we do in delhi how we eat in delhi we are going to be original we don't want to change our food uh, no matter what we are going to keep it original and that's how i started and i started with kebabs kebabs is like grill barbecue yeah and so we started educating people and people were like, you don't have samosas. No, we don't have samosas. Oh, why? You know, try oh, wow. this. So people actually came in and like yeah, yeah. complained or complained. were disappointed. And, but I said, try it. If you don't like it, you don't have to pay. But try something new. You said you don't have to pay? Yeah. So they wow. tried. It was, uh, and then people are like, sure, no problem. And then they love it. And now we always have a line outside the door. And we never have a problem like explaining food again. And we change the culture. And then other restaurants started copying the same concept and say, you know what, when this guy who landed from nowhere can do this, we've been in business for so many years, why can't we do it? So everybody started bringing more upscale, started respecting Indian food. So earlier it was like chicken tikka masala. I was like, what is this? Like, all I know 
there's nothing like that exists in India. Yeah, so you you feel like you've actually changed a lot of people's perceptions about what Indian food is. Absolutely, hundred percent. And then when we when I opened my second restaurant, we made sure that we would bring this black lentil, which is very very popular in north of India, called dal makhani. And uh, so that's what uh, Pete Wells and other critics they loved it. So it was original. It was lentil, and then we. Uh, got this uh, very popular chicken dish, which is called butter chicken. So we use a special butter which comes from India. It's called a mul butter. It changed the flavor of that sauce completely once you use that. So that was another very popular dish, and you would not find that dish till date. It's only our restaurant. We do it authentic way, and people love that. So when we open Awad, Awad is like a region like Lucknow. So we use that cuisine, like cuisines of royal, like all. Kings, queens, when they used to rule India, they used to eat of the cuisine, like royal, rich, like rich food. And so we started that. So the only thing we were able to cap- capitalize was that we were able to explain people that our food is are from different different regions. So that's definitely did help us. And when you were first trying to, you know, even secure a space um, to open the first restaurant, was it? Like, what were some of the challenges? Because you had never lived in this country before. You were so new. Like, I read that you were, you you told a landlord about your father being, like, a Supreme yeah. Court lawyer in the mm-hmm. United, or in India to try and, like, yeah. make him understand that you came from, like, a really prestigious yeah. and respectful family. And he was like, who cares? Yeah, he did. He's like, you don't have, um, your, you don't have your credit score. And <laughs> your credit is not, uh, you know, like, enough to give you a lease. And I said, he's like, America run our credit. I said, no, I thought America run on Dunkin' Donuts. Ah! <laughs> so, That's a good one. <laughs> so he's, he's like, like America run there. on credit. I was like, no, America run on Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <That's hilarious. laughs> so, so. How did you overcome those challenges though? Like having nothing to show for yourself? Yeah, I mean, it was tough. I just told him, I said, please just give me a chance. You know, like somebody give somebody a chance and this great landlord Eli Samuel you know my first landlord he gave me a gave me that opportunity he's like okay you got it shout man. out to Just Eli Samuel and, yeah so you know great landlord and helped me supported me great great guy and yeah. that's how yeah but it was tough and then I I have no idea about uh, the you know the how the rules are here with the fire and building department nothing I was completely new I never worked for anybody in my life and I'm I was always used to do my own business and I am doing business in the country where I don't know how to take a subway to go to downtown and I'm doing a business. And my girlfriend is like, he's like, you're crazy. Yeah. I was like, you know what? It's not crazy. I just want, I like to take risk and I want to take this risk. And I did. And it paid off. Yeah. It's really impressive. Um, so, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about, let's bring us, bring us up to speed where we are today. In 2017, it's, you know, it's no longer 2008. We no longer have Barack Obama as the president. When you came here, you talked about how you felt like this country really embraced immigrants. And it was just this wonderful tapestry of diversity. And that made you feel so welcome and optimistic. What does it feel like now? I mean, the dynamic has completely shifted. So, uh, so at, I mean, I, I, election night, yeah. So I was in, I was in Italy. And so before I left there, restaurants business were booming like we're doing great numbers great after election night our sale dropped 30 percent or maybe more 
What? Uh, yeah, just after, like something happened. So I'm, I'm in Italy and I'm calling my manager. I'm asking. I was like, what happened? He's like, I don't know. Suddenly, everything is still. Like, there are no people on the street. I don't know what to tell you. And we used to do, in 2016, 15, 14, 13, great numbers. They're like peaks, peak numbers for us, November, December, Jan, Feb. And those were our worst number after, I don't know what made people feel and how they felt. They felt insecure and uh, our numbers went down. But now, you know, it's picking up slowly, but it's still not there. Well, why do you think the numbers went down? Uh, I think uh, people were not expecting the election result, uh, especially, uh, you know, immigrants. And I think they got little... Earlier, they used to spend money. They feel that this is the home, right? Mm. And if somebody was on an H-1 visa who's making good money and he's spending that money here, but for them, America is home. But now they think, we don't know what will happen to our green card. We don't know whether we'll get our renewable of our H-1 visa or not. And maybe we have to go back or maybe we have to do something else. And everybody started holding back. And especially in ethnic restaurants, Indian, Mexican, you talk about they are definitely affected. And I can tell you about Indian restaurants. Why? Because all my restaurants have a very good following of 50-50, like 50% Indian people and 50% from different cultures. And I could see that we used to do great numbers in lunch because of Credit Suisse, which is right across on 27th. We're on 27th, they're on 24th. And we could see that our lunch business went down because... And I, I was talking to people. I said, I don't see you. What happened? He's like, oh, we're just taking it back. We're just holding it back. And though you see stock market going up, and if in 2009, 10, when stock market used to go up, you would see New York City, like restaurants, slamming, busy. It's going up. It's on the highest point, but I still don't understand why, why restaurants are not busy like before. It's unbelievable. It's unreal. Like, why is that? And... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty... I mean, are you saying that people just don't... F- they're they're feeling depressed, so they're not going out and enjoying food? Or are you saying, like, they're specifically not going out because it's an ethnic restaurant? Uh, I think uh, especially immigrants who are here on H-1 visa or H-2 or whatever, when they, they used to spend, they never had that hitch. Oh, you know, this is their home. But now they feel scared and they feel maybe we have to go back. They, they're, they're not secure. And once and immigrants are the people who spend most of the money. They make that money here. They buy houses. They rent houses. They buy cars. And they bring that money back into United States. And now they're holding back. Oh, I see. And they don't want to spend. They feel insecure. And suddenly the whole dynamic change after elections. I see, I see some improvement, but I don't see much. I'll give you an example when... Uh, those uh, immig- immigration rates started. If you heard about ICE, ICE is doing yeah. this, ICE is doing that. And I'm like legit, I'm talking about legit people. I'm um, in Subway, I'm sitting and I'm listening to um, Mexican guys talking to each other. He's like, oh, I didn't go to work for last week. You know, like, and, yeah. you know, I could understand what they're saying. Because they're scared that if scared, they're you know? in a, in a yeah. public so place, they get them. Yeah, if they're not going to work, they're not going to eat pizza or they're not going to eat a sandwich on a deli. 
So the sale number is going to go down, right? Like, so that's how I felt it really, really affected small businesses, especially not high-end restaurants, not not really, really like very, very high-end restaurants, but definitely restaurants like which are in their, I mean, where you could spend 30 bucks, 40 bucks, 50 bucks and have a good meal. Definitely those restaurants got hit by it and especially ethnic restaurant. Yeah. How do you think that the election in the United States has changed or not changed um, Indians' perceptions of the United States? Like maybe when you talk to your friends or family back home, do they still feel like America is this, you know, wonderful land of opportunity? They don't want to come. Like I know know a lot of kids who used to call me and ask me, oh, I want to go to uh, Columbia, I want to go to NYU, and I want to work there. But now they think they'll come here, they'll study, they'll not have a job. So why to spend, and they spend money. They bring like $200,000 in revenue for universities. It's not that they are going to school for free. You know, they are, they spend that money. So they want to hold back. And you will see uh, maybe end of this year, once the whole uh, season starts for colleges, you will see a lot of uh, students from immigrant countries. They're not coming like China, India, uh, I mean, you will see they're holding back and they don't want to come. The only reason they were coming here, okay, you know, we, we go to school here, we get a good job, we get that American dream, which we all, which for which I was here. And, you know, so, so now people understand it's not there anymore. Like there is some sort of uh, barrier, some sort of difference uh, how, or something has been divided, you know, they feel, they don't feel the same. They and feel unwelcome. Yes, absolutely. So they don't want to come, you know, like I'll give you an example. I was, I was talking to one of my customer and she's Indian and she told me, it's like, so how was your trip to India? She's like, great. She's American citizen. She was hold at JFK airport for one hour just because, she, uh, don't know what is the reason, but she's like, I was, they were asking me, how did I get this? How did I get that? How, how I came to this country, what I was doing in India. And it's India. The only thing is her flight was coming from Abu Dhabi or something. So, so that was her thing. Like I am legit American citizen. I was born here, but I'm Indian. And I, I had this experience. So yeah, that must be really disheartening and humiliating. It is. It is. It is pretty uh, shocking, you know. But yeah. see, we don't see that much in New York because New York is very multicultural, very mm-hmm. welcomed still because we all are immigrants. But definitely when I talk to, I have a friend, he works for a firm called EXL. So he travels a lot all over U.S. Uh, it's like a consulting firm which provides uh, help to Credit Suez, uh, Morgan Stanley. They provide like, they get these h one visas for people who are working in these banks and they are all are it like it's not uh they are i'm not talking about cooks i'm not talking about somebody doing an art job i'm talking about a graduate from you know a technology and background in technology not like somebody who just crossed the border and came in and this was his his reply to me i was like so how's how's every how's he's like i don't feel like i don't feel like leaving new york i said why He's like, I was in, I think he was in Seattle or where. He said, I've never seen, you know, the reaction which I got from people. I've been here. He's been here for almost 14 years. 
He's like, I've never felt like that. And he's like, I was asking the guy, you know, which train or something. And his reply was absolutely, he's like, why are you looking for a train? You need a plane to go back. What? Yeah, something like that, he said. And I was like, shocked. He's like, I don't feel like, you know. So it's pretty strange. You know, it's not, it's like when there is a situation like this, there are some people who have a bad mouth and he want, they want to take a perfect opportunity of it and say things which they have in their head for years. And now it's the time when they feel, okay, this is the time I can say whatever I want. I can do whatever I can. And, you know, it's it's pretty sad you know, that how immigrants feel now. Like, it's not, they don't feel the same. Yeah. How is food a way to change people's, potentially change people's kind of misconception about immigrants? So... I would say, so food is something like, uh, food is something which brings people together, right? And when, when they eat Indian food, and when, let's say, when an American couple first time come to an Indian restaurant, and when you're explaining them about the culture, this is how we eat, we with, eat with our hand, or we eat this, this dish with a fork, when you explain them, so it brings two different cultures together, you know, and which I would say, which I personally, when I was educating people about Indian food, which I saw in 2009-10, I don't see it anymore. I don't, I think there is, I don't know exactly what it is, but there is something which has divided uh, people. You know, there's some sort of air or there's some something like which people feel like, oh, I am American, you're Indian. Earlier it was like, oh, we both live in America, you know, we're same. That's what I feel. You feel a stronger divide as an immigrant at this point. Yes, absolutely. Is your position as a chef and a restaurateur, do you think that helps you kind of overcome th those feelings because you have this kind of tool to connect with other people and you can say, this is my food and this is an extension of who I am and you're coming to my restaurant, you're coming into my home? Yes, I, I do that and uh, it does. But think about it. But my the, the guy who's who's a waiter somewhere in Queens in a, let's say, a hole in the wall place, he doesn't have the thing. Mm-hmm. And he cannot overcome this whole situation. And especially uh, when uh, times like this where, you know, where, where people feel scared. And so whatever you're doing, you're just scared. Like, like I, I personally feel like, let's think about it, a waiter in a queen's restaurant and a dude walks in with a thick accent and he... Like, he'll do a mistake, like pouring a water. He'll say, oh, what the hell are you doing here? Go back to your fucking country. You know, like, I've heard stories, like, where people say such words. Yeah. And and these guys can't even respond. Earlier, they used to respond back, fight back. Uh -huh. They just take it. Like, okay, you know, let it go. But this is the reality. So do, what would you say to someone in that situation? Do you have any advice? I mean, f coming from your kind of privileged perspective as a chef? So I think this is what I would say, that why the fuck you're in my restaurant first to eat if you don't like me? 
And mm. if, I'm so sorry, but I, I just said that, but you know. That's okay. Uh, why are you here? Yeah. Like these are immigrants who are cooking, who are spending yeah, hours. I, mean, I, I see that as being such a disconnect between people who want to eat out in restaurants yeah. but don't appreciate like who's actually cooking the food cooking the food mm-hmm. yeah so like spend hours to cook food for you you know definitely it's our bread and butter we're, we we are doing this we're making money over it absolutely but if you don't like my country if you don't like my culture if you don't like me why are you eating my food you don't have to go eat whatever you want to have a sausage have a burger you know don't eat this food mm-hmm. and uh, yeah that's what i would you would encourage people absolutely. in those situations to stand up for themselves yeah because uh end of the day uh, there's something called self-respect and pride and as an immigrant as an indian chef and a business owner i take pride in that that what i do yeah like we all so work. if someone in your restaurant spoke to one of your Waiters or busboys like that, they would have the authority to to stand up for themselves and defend themselves, Absolutely. and you would have their back. Absolutely, I'll give you an example. So, uh, and this incident happened with me. So I had uh, these two girls drinking in my restaurant, and there is a table waiting, old lady waiting outside with this little kid, and their drinks were finished, their food was finished. And so I go, so my waiter goes and tell her, is it please possible for you to vacate the table? You know, these, these people are waiting. This little kid is hungry, waiting for 30 minutes. And you guys are just chit-chatting. And she goes and tell exactly this was the words. Like, seriously, you don't, I thought you guys are fucking crazy, but you guys are fucking disrespectful. You know, this is... Uh, this is what your culture is. This is. These are exactly the words. And I overheard and I went to her. I said, let me explain you my culture. <laughs> my culture is, if I see an elderly person waiting outside my restaurant and I see two girls drunk in their 20s just sitting chit-chatting and it was, it was raining that day. I was like, my culture is, I'll offer my chair. If I'm in a subway and I am going... And I'm sitting and I see an elderly person standing. I'll offer my seat to that person. That is my culture. That's the culture I come from. I don't know what is your culture. And she's like, so one of them was from uh, London. And I could make out from her accent. And she's like, oh, what, what the fuck? You guys will be out of business the way you behave. I said, you're done eating 40 minutes, 30 minutes. You've been just sitting here. And this older lady been waiting for that table with her niece or whatever, daughter. You know, they want to sit and have a meal like you. And she said um, to me, peace out or whatever. And I said, you know what? Let me tell you one more thing before you leave. You're no more. You're no more king and queens. It's not London. Mm-hmm. You need to come back to reality. Okay, you're human beings. You're no more. You're no more kings and queens. You can't. You can't just take an advantage when you're sitting in an Indian restaurant or in any ethnic restaurant. Curse or say whatever. You won't do this if you go to a French restaurant. You would never behave like that. You know, it's just an edge they think they have over ethnic restaurants. Mm-hmm. Like they can behave whatever they want because they're a minority, and. 
like to take advantage of it. And when they were leaving, I said, you're no more king and queens. Maybe you need to come back to reality, you know? Yeah. So, so but, you think they would have not behaved like that had they been in more of a, a European-derived der- yeah. cuisine-style restaurant? Never. Huh. Never. It's an interesting thing. Um, all right. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about your new restaurant, Iraq. Thank you. I'm Dave Arnold, the host of Cooking Issues on the Heritage Radio Network. We all know and love Chinese takeout dishes like General Tso's chicken and egg rolls. But here's the thing. Even though we call it Chinese food, it's not like the food you'd find in China. What's the story behind this cuisine? And how did it become so popular that you can find a Chinese-American restaurant in nearly every town in the country? The answers may surprise you. Visit the Museum of Food and Drink in Brooklyn and see our newest exhibition, Chow, Making the Chinese-American Restaurant. Chow engages visitors with compelling accounts of how Chinese immigrants overcame racism and created Chinese-American cuisine. Discover the science behind the flavors of your favorite takeout dishes, feast on rotating tastings developed by the country's most talented Chinese-American chefs, and try your hand at writing your own fortune, which will be baked into actual cookies by a 1,500-pound fortune cooking machine. What better way to learn, connect, and eat? You can visit Chow at the Museum of Food and Drink on Fridays through Sundays from noon to 6. Tickets and more information can be found at mofad.org. Hey, you've been listening to Food Without Borders on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sari Kamen, and my guest today has been Chef Gaurav Anand. How are you doing over there? Eating some pizza? Oh, yes. Great. Um, So... Word on the street is you have a new restaurant opening. Uh, May second week in Chelsea, and it's going to call Roca. And it's opening the second week of May. You said, yes. "Well, that's very soon." Yes, that's very named, exciting. We named it Roca, so Roca means engagement, and our concept is uh, what we are doing there. As you see, as you see what's happening, people are divided. So, what brings people together is food. You right. walk into a restaurant. You would see an Indian table eating. You will see an Asian table eating. You'll see a Mexican table eating. You'll see an American table eating. Uh, so what brings people together under one roof is food. And so it's uh, engagement of Indian food with Western culture. So we have uh, our mixologist is uh, from U.S., born and raised here. And I am an Indian chef. And my line cooks are from Mexico. And without them, I can't perform you know they are the strength behind our food well I, I think that's true for most restaurants and you kind of just made that point a moment ago when we were taking a break is that yeah. you know people come into restaurants ex- you know with the expectation that they're going to eat this beautiful food but don't necessarily respect you know the people who are serving it to them and it's like without immigrants there are no restaurants there are no restaurants there yeah. you have to eat in paper plates because there are no dishwashers <laughs> You have to use disposable for sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and there'll be no delivery, well, by we, the way. And, and also really your food wouldn't be cooked because there wouldn't be enough support in the kitchen. And there'll be no Uber. There'll well. be no Lyft. There'll be no Get. Because it's all, if you see all the Uber Get uh, drivers, all are immigrants. So Yeah. 
Well, I was going, I was going to like in this last segment, kind of shift away from politics to, to lighten the mood a little bit. But before we do that, I mean, you did mention to me before we started the show that after the election, you wanted to to maybe halt the opening of your new restaurant. And I didn't get to ask you why. So I was like, oh, suddenly you see a drop uh, in your sales and you don't know what is the reason, you know, that stock market is going up. You're like, oh, my God, I and like, what do I do? And then you're like, oh, maybe you want to hold off. And then I'm like, you can't. But then we changed the whole story of our concept, which will change the whole vision of our restaurant. We made it a place called Roca. Oh, so the name and the whole concept came changed. after the election. Yes. Oh, interesting. After the election. So we all, I always had that I want to open a restaurant. Kind of like this show. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, that was that. So that's how we changed. We said, you know what? So I'll give you an example. We're we are doing a dish. It's like potatoes, and then we are stuffing asparagus. So asparagus is not an Indian thing. Yeah. So we are bringing asparagus into our food. Then we are using uh, tacos, taco tortillas with our chicken. Imagine like Indian style chicken with those tortillas. Oh, okay. You know. So we said we are we are doing masala goat cheese, like goat cheese. We are making masala goat cheese. So what we are trying to do is. Say that food is the only thing which brings actually people together and brings smiles on their face. And when you're drinking, when you're eating, you're happy and you're in your own different zone. And Roka is a place where you would walk in and you would... And that's why I mentioned all my cooks are Mexican and my um, mixologist is American and... One of the guys who would be working on the floor is from Sri Lanka, you know, so. So this is a post-election restaurant. Yes. Where people Ab- can enjoy and maybe not think about the election. Absolutely. <laughs> and just focus on the food. Yes. So that's, uh, yeah, that's our concept. Like, we wanted to do something which is not, again, like, we're not doing an Indian restaurant. Yeah, it's very we, different because your other places are so hyper-regional. And and what we want to, what we wanted to make a point that... If Indian food can get along with Western spices and Western herbs, Indian people can also get along with Western <laughs> people. You know, that's that's the... Food as a metaphor. Yeah, like means, you know. So that's, that's our pr- pretty much about a restaurant. Yeah, well, that sounds exciting and it sounds delicious and it sounds really fun. Yeah, and our architect is from Korea, by the way. Our architect is from Korea. Wow! So everyone's really represented there. Yes, absolutely. Um, And it's in Chelsea. Where is it? Twenty second and ninth. Okay, and it's going to be open in two weeks. Two weeks and May May second week. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Tell us where where are your other restaurants, and then how can we also find out more about the opening and follow the the progress and and know for sure when it's going to be open. So we have a. Uh, we have our website arokanyc.com and uh, we'll have all the updates on uh, that website and then we have our Facebook page Uh, Facebook connects people yeah so we have a Facebook page uh, which says Aroka NYC you will see all the updates and uh, you will see like what what we are trying to do so Chelsea itself it's whole uh, community so we want to be part of that community and what we are trying to do is we are trying to call people from the neighborhood who lives there to our uh, friends and family. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't have any my people I know. I'm not calling them. I'm making <laughs> new friends and telling them, you know, you need to come for my tasting. So it's like friends and family. Yeah. So, so it's really going to be kind of a neighborhood restaurant. Neighborhood restaurant. Connect. Like how you connect with their culture. How do you connect with how do you how do they respond to our food? And yeah. So that's. Uh, pretty much about well, well that's Chelsea. certainly something to look forward to absolutely do you feel optimistic like with everything that's happening do you feel like um you know this is hopefully just kind of a dark period in our american history and eventually that that pendulum will shift uh yeah i mean i mean it's I, nice when i hear you know people like you and doing things that are kind of inspired by the political climate, but trying to create something that's really bringing people together and making something positive out of a negative. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think I, 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 what I feel is, uh, yeah, I would say, you know, maybe a couple of years or I hope months, you know, a few months, like people change, they feel more secure they come out, they spend more money like they were doing it, and it's back to normal. Yeah. So when you, so if you're asking me that, Gaurav, do you feel everything is normal like before? So I'll say, no, it's not. Right. And I feel it. I have friends who feel it. I have uh, my employees who feel it. They all feel it. And that is that is really like that really hurts yeah. and that's why I was thinking oh my god I'm opening a new restaurant like you know but you know what is the best part I'm opening in Chelsea so that's itself it's its own community it's own culture and so uh, we just make our own worlds don't yes we? Yeah. absolutely yeah uh, well Stefanon thank you so much for coming on the show it's been a pleasure to have you Thank you. My pleasure. It's a difficult conversation sometimes, but I'm happy there's people like you that are out there spreading Absolutely. optimism and, you know, fighting the good fight. Absolutely. America is land of opportunity. America will always be land of opportunity and few people cannot change it. And that's why we all stand together and make sure, you know, like we all are in this together. Yeah. So. Well, I'm into that. You have been listening to Food Without Borders on Heritage Radio Network. Once again, I'm your host, Sari Kamen. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, Sari. listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.